welcome to another Reptile Fight Club episode. Uh, I'm Justin Julander. Chuck Poland. And we're here to fight. <laughs> all right. Well, um, things going well? You doing all right? Things are good. Um, got um, three uh, three new baby uh, Lacodactylus Williams Eye from uh, Frank Payne uh, the oh, other week. Cool. So Electric blues. Yes, little <laughs> electric cool. blues. They're tiny. Uh, uh, I've got scary. I've got some uh, 12, 12, uh, 18 Ecoterras that I'm keeping them in. And I found out very quickly that the back, so it has like vents on the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can close those vents, but the, it, it's like you can, they can still get up in between and over and they can get out. So I was uh, like, I put them in there yeah. and I was like, okay, cool. And uh, I, you know, the, everything was fine. And, and I was like looking in there when I, when I checked in on them and I'm like, man, where, where is that one that's hiding? And, and I kind of look back and there it is sitting on the top of the cage under the light, just looking at me like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to yeah. do? So, uh, I ended up catching it, uh, and, uh, getting it back in there. So, uh, then I did, you know, a a, a repair job to get those, those vents kind of, uh, closed off so they can't get out. So that's, that's fixed. And, and, uh, they're, they're, they're doing great. Uh, got um, two more um, Felsuma grandis eggs, so I've got four Ooh. four eggs in the incubator now, and nice. uh, yeah, so that that's good. Uh, and I don't know, just been kind of cranking along. Work's been kind of crazy, and um, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that. Yeah, so I yeah. Uh, so I was listening to um, uh, Eric and Owen on the hangout uh, for NPR. And, oh, yeah. and uh, Eric was saying that his, like his sister is into plants. And so I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Cause I, you know, I, I, I like plants and, uh, and Eric was, was joking about how they, they were going to make a, like a reptile plant and uh, you know, uh, Eater. yeah, store. like store yep. all in one. And so yep. it, I, I, I wanted to just throw this out there just to get, you know, Eric's wheels spinning hard. So, you know, I like to do plants and I've got an outdoor garden. And so I start mm-hmm. all my stuff indoors. So I have in my garage, I have got kind of a, a, an insulated room that I actually, uh, heat like, so I grow my startup plants in there. And so, um, I have like a, you know, like a, a plant light in there. It's about 315 Watts and, and it actually warms that room enough to keep the ambient. And, and when it gets too high, I have an air conditioning unit that cools it off. And so, yeah, so you can basically keep your ambient off of your, uh, you know, the light for your plants. Uh, you can grow plants in there Well, your plants need water. They evapotranspirate, which puts humidity into the air. So you can use a dehumidifier at a certain level to keep the humidity where you want it. So you Mm -hmm. kind of make, uh, an enclosed, uh, you know, uh, environment, uh, uh, for for your not only your plants but for your reptiles and so mm. you know you can then then I kind of move the you know and and in the summer and it only works here in San Diego for me right because it's not yeah. it doesn't get super hot well it does get super hot but but I don't run the light when it's super hot because it's really sure. too hot to garden outside so yeah. more of the the spring crop fall crop uh, and and those times work out really nice to just have the light running and keep the ambient and it keeps the room really steady so I just wanted to oh, drop that yeah. in his head so now he's like oh plants reptiles ah 
so <laughs> furthering the madness yes yeah. of course of that's course. cool yeah it's fun to you know how how all nature kind of interacts and you know it it's a it's a big uh big circle right i mean absolutely um yeah it's i i really like this revolution towards uh you know the more naturalistic keeping and and larger you know enclosures and things like that i i was listening to uh the australian uh herpetoculture podcast or herpetological podcast i can't remember uh, which is which it is but um and they were interviewing matt somerville and this guy is one of my heroes man i don't know if you've listened to that yet but you got to check that out matt somerville is the man like he's he uh he's he's herped all over he's got you know he's seen well over half of the the species of of herp in in australia so i mean there's what 1200 and he's around 600 so pretty pretty impressive and then um He's, uh, he and his, uh, significant other are, are making some really nice naturalistic cages and they have a YouTube channel. And so, uh, he's, he's just got some awesome enclosures. His own Pelly enclosure is phenomenal, you know? So, um, but man, just, he's, he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to field herping and just reptiles in general. But yeah, check that, check that out. If you haven't listened to it, what a, nice. what a cool yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, he's been very helpful in, in the book process, you know, he's given, I've been able to bounce some ideas off him. He's given me some, uh, cool, cool observations that he's made in the field and, and with his captive animals and, um, just really cool guy, really, you know, laid back and, and has, and get some nice, uh, uh, photos of the reptiles to boot. So, uh, they're, they're featured prominently in the books. So good, good stuff. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that episode this nice. week. So. How is the book coming? Um, good, good. I, I just, uh, so Nick sent me the, the evolutionary history chapter a few, uh, well, a, a week or two ago. And, uh, I just got through with that one and somehow had another five pages. I'm not sure how that happened, but <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's uh, going to be a beast. I, I hope so. Now comes the, you know, the, the layout process and that can be a little tedious and difficult to try to figure out where to place all the photographs. And, um, and, you know, we're still looking for a few pictures, I think of morphs. I think Nick still needs a couple and, um, you know, but I think we've got some really nice photos. I think this should be you know, hopefully we'll be able to replace pretty much all the photos except for maybe a couple kind of key photos that we had in the first edition. But yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, largely a new book. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to finish it up. You know, it's, it's a labor of love and yeah. Pe people are talking like you might rewrite, rewrite carpet history with this book, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm excited now. I'm 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 ready. Well, Better. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what people think because I've kind of thrown out a few uh, interesting ideas. Nick and I have kind of ruminated on them for a while. Of course, you know, between sure. even the last decade since the the first edition, and I don't know. I've got some some interesting thoughts on you know how these things break up and and what kind of uh, you know taxonomy might be anticipated. Uh, taxonomy is not my thing. So, you know, I may be looking at it too simplistically, but from where I stand, you know, there's some there's some uh, changes that might be needed, at least in the way we think about carpet pythons and in general, you know, and, and what what they are. And I don't know, 
um, how they're interrelated and where the breaks might occur. So I, I've, I'm really excited to get that out there because yeah. I had kind of a couple of epiphany moments that um, I'm excited to to bounce off people and I, have people read about. I feel like we've had a conversation, at least one where, where, uh, some, some, some of that insight has come out and I, I'm excited for yeah. other people to, uh, kind of glimpse into that as well. So, uh, I, I, I have, yeah, uh, the, uh, the utmost faith, faith that people will be, uh, highly interested in what, what the ideas that you guys yeah. are going to be putting forth. I mean, it's, you know, species concepts and, and taxonomy develop over time. So, you know, taxonomy is ever changing, but, yeah. and really, frankly, the animals don't care what we call them, they're, right? They're doing what they're doing and, and, you know, evolutionary processes are, are a lengthy uh, thing, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So, um, you know, I don't know, taxonomy is kind of funny that way, but we'll, we'll call them what we call them, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's ma- mainly to help us know what we have and what we're working with. So. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, we, we, we like to name things and claim things. So, uh, if we can, you know, uh, and, and the human mind's really, really good at separating things out. Uh, that's kind of how we think about stuff is, you know, we don't necessarily, we understand things are all interconnected, but we don't always think of them as interconnected, right? Our brains are kind of naturally wired to like put them in a category. So having a system that categorizes things is to me pretty natural for humans. Yeah. Humans are labelers and we've always been that way. So, and you know, it's fun. Where was it? Uh, I don't know. I was reading a book and talks about some, you know, some of Wallace's travels and he was kind of a contemporary with Darwin and did some pretty cool trips out to New Guinea to look for birds of paradise and or stuff like that. So, you know, pretty crazy stuff. I, I can't imagine being a, an explorer back in the day, collecting some of the first specimens of, of species, you know, that have ever been seen by Western eyes. Of course, uh, you know, the, the indigenous cultures knew about them for forever. So, um, but you know, crazy stuff, I guess, uh, if we can kind of throw out our ideas there and hopefully it'll, it'll help, uh, others to kind of see the interrelatedness and, and how these, uh, carpet pythons are, um, how they may be divide up and, and are related to each other. Um, some people might not be too excited about some of those <laughs> proposed changes. And I know we have differing opinions from a lot of people out there, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll see, see how uh, people react, but that should be good. So, um, yeah, I've got, uh, today was a cleaning day out in the rodent shed. So I, you know, fed, fed some stuff and went out to the reptile room and I had a litter of, uh, Northern blue tongue skink. So that's kind of nice. And then, um, got, a uh, another clutch of, uh, Western Stimson's pythons. So some more, uh, some more of those on the way and had some hatch out last week as well as some pygmy pythons. So, the uh, season's progressing nicely. <laughs> that makes uh, three litters of skinks. So I'm going to be overrun with skinks here in a bit. But so if anybody's interested, I, d- I did get a nice, uh, fairly large litter from my uh, sunrise female, uh, sunrise pair, actually. So pure sunrise uh, lineage, uh, northern blue tongues, which are fairly uh, high in demand. So if anybody's interested, I should have some good ones available this year. And I still have a couple left from last year that are coloring up nicely and doing fairly well. So hit me up if you're looking for a Northern Blue Tongue skink in the U.S. Um, I don't know. What what else is we got? Uh, 
got this trip coming up, so I'm pretty stoked about that, of course. Uh, heading out with the Podfather and uh, the uh, uh, Rob, um, so the Morelia Python Network guys, as well as the uh, THP guys, Herpeticulture uh, podcast uh, network guys so should be interesting we'll try to get them to fight and and record that for the reptile fight club podcast so <laughs> we'll see if uh, we can get some good discussion going on between the two groups um well i've lost chuck i don't know and maybe he's taking care of some business but we uh i'm ready to fight i don't know i'm i'm my my ires gr- getting raised here as i'm uh droning on about stuff around here. <laughs> um, is there anything else that we need to talk about beforehand? I, uh, I'm, I'm just ready to get out and hurt. That's for sure. Let the desert bake my brains out and stare at some, uh, rock cuts for a while. <laughs> I am hoping that the, uh, conditions out there are improving and, and we'll have a, a very successful, uh, trip, but, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're looking forward to getting some some herping done here soon. I think everybody's uh, ready for a for a herp trip. So, well, are you ready to fight, Chuck? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, as as kind of an introduction to today's topic, I I got a message from my old friend Peter Birch over in Australia. Um, he thought we should fight about the topic of if it's okay to make hybrids or integrates in uh, pursue of a morph project. So we're going to cover that today and we'll say, you know, take the yay or the nay and, and support or, or against that topic. Um, and we'll fight about that. So um, here we go with the coin toss. You ready to call it? Sure. I'll call it. <laughs> here we go. Call it in the air. Heads. It is tails. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go with the nay side. I don't think the it's nay all right. Side. To, yeah, I don't think it's all right to make hybrids and integrades in pursuit of morphs. So okay. I'm going to go against that topic. And, okay. And uh, kind of, you know, in honor of Peter, I know he would have wanted it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Peter's not dead, but yeah, that's, but I think he didn't that's make kinda... it. He didn't make it to this episode. <laughs> yeah, he he was too chicken to fight you, I guess. Well. <laughs> or maybe it was to fight me. I don't know. I don't... He's pretty oh. tough though. He, he does that uh, yeah. martial arts stuff. So, guess I shouldn't flap my lip too much. But he is in Australia, and they're not letting people. This is more of a verbal there. sparring, though. So exactly. We, we, you know, no fist, <laughs> well, well. no fisticuffs, no blood. <laughs> yeah, maybe bruised cool. egos, but. It would have been fun to have him on, so we'll have to get yeah. another topic to to get to entice him to come on again, yeah, or to sure. come on the the podcast. Not again; he hasn't been on here yet. Okay, so let's see. Do you want to start, or I'll let you choose if you start or or if you defer. Why don't you walk us out the gate, my friend? All right, let's get this going here. Um, okay, so morphs. <laughs> morphs there that's that's such a uh big topic these days i mean lately that's kind of what's been getting people into the hobby getting people excited about reptiles and frankly i kind of i'm i'm a little sad about that because there's so much more to reptiles than just a 
different weird paint job. And honestly, a lot of the times the, the paint jobs that are coming out aren't much better than the natural um, look of the, the animal anyway. So, um, you know, they've, they've produced a lot of controversy and definitely, you know, uh, the, the making in hybrids and integrates and all these kind of things when you're trying to make morphs, uh, is one of the downsides of the hobby in, in my opinion. So, um, that's, you know, that's the reason I kind of want to take that side now. Um, why is that? Why does that matter? Right. We're, we're not zoos. We're not, you know, repopulating the wild with these things. So who cares? Right. What, what does it matter? I, I think that might be what you're thinking right now, but I would, I would counter and I would say, um, you know, we, we may not be rewilding these things, but we're not, we're losing more opportunities to get these things out of the wild. So we're losing those opportunities to have the natural forms that you would find in the wild. And for me, you know, when I go into my reptile room, I want a little slice of Australia. That's where my interests lie. So I like Australian animals. If you couldn't tell by my business name, Australian Addiction Reptiles. So when I go out there, I want to see what I might see in, in Australia. Right. And so I've kind of selected a collection that, that has that look to it. And so, you know, I, I, don't want to go out there and see a bunch of, you know, bright neon yellow snakes. Now, granted, I have a couple of those, but uh, I, you know, that's not my whole collection and that's not really where my interests lie, especially right now. Now, that's not to say that morphs don't have their place, but for me, when I go into my reptile room, I want to enjoy a wild type animal. Now, if uh, the people who kind of start these projects, right? They, they might start making, uh, the wild type animals, but in, in some instances, a lot of times, if there's a morph involved, especially early on, like say, uh, a, a, a new species that has a morph along with it gets imported from Europe or something. And so we have a limited number of these animals. Well, of course the people are going to focus on the morphs and that's a little bit to, uh, the start of, the albino carpets in the United States, right? There weren't a lot of pure um, Darwin carpets in the U.S. And so when the first Darwin carpets came in, they were either het for albino or albino. And so, um, you know, the first ones that made it into Europe, they were bred, you know, especially the albinos, anything with the albino gene was bred to anything with the cloaca, including all of the different subspecies of carpet python, as well as different species of of carpet python, you know, so, um, what resulted was kind of a mishmash and you never knew, you know, for sure if you had a Darwin or a cross or whatever. And so, you know, especially when you've got an Erie and giant, you know, the West pop and carpet in the mix, um, you're going to have, uh, those, those issues. It's going to be really difficult to determine what you have. And so that's, that's kind of what happened. So, you know, then you have this mixed up gene pool and, and, you don't get to be able to see that wild type animal that you might be uh, wanting to see. So that's my first uh, argument against uh, creating hybrids and intergrades when you're pursuing a morph project. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, uh, we, we kind of know the stuff here. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, if, if we were talking ball pythons and ball python morphs, who cares? Right. It's all, yeah. you know, they're it's all, all the ball, same species. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so they, they, they kind of get away from, you know, 
any of the the unwanted side effects of of uh, uh, you know of of making morphs and and uh, it's all good for them. Uh, they just overproduce the crap out of all pythons. That's all. So <laughs> I mean, but you know, I, I think unfortunately the argument is uh, simply that if you pop out a, a a mutation in one of these subspecies the only way to get that mutation unless you know you play the extremely unlikely long game uh and the importation to to get it to wait until that mutation pops up in mcdowell or or whatever the you know whatever the subspecies you're talking about and and then you work with that subspecies as pure and obviously we you know we've been in carpets for quite a long time and we see that that's not a, a prevalent thing you know uh the yeah. the um you know, the, the, the color diversity and, and the different looks these animals can give, uh, in one clutch is, is, is far greater than the amount of mutations we see coming out of these animals. So, um, so it's kind of, it's kind of a moot argument. If you want to work with morphs, you have to produce integrades because a lot of these things are going across subspecies. Um, so, you know, it, 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 just in form and function, um, you can't get around it. Um, that, 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 that's to say, you know, that that's neither here nor there on the merits of why you should or shouldn't do it. Um, I mean, I, and you know, for me, I, I, um, I did, uh, I had a, it was like the first jungle that I got. It was like a diamond, some type of a diamond jungle cross. And yeah. the thing was really ivory looking and I bred it to, uh, a female silver coastal that I had. And what I produced out of that was, you know, uh, uh, an integrade, uh, that looked, better than any ivory jungle i've ever seen this thing just just blew up it just popped so mm. hard it looks so good whole clutch did the whole clutch did and so you know that that that's from working uh across uh genetic lines you know and and we, you know we kind of briefly touched on um you know, na the, 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 the problem with taxonomy and naming things. And so we get it in our head that there's this line we just don't cross. You can't do that. That's not good. That animal's not worth this. It, it, it somehow devalues the animal. And I just don't think that on, on its face, that argument makes much sense. Um, you know, and, and like you said, the, we're not repopulating the wild with these animals. And yeah, you know, the biggest problem people have with it is nobody, nobody wants to, associate with a snake that gets a bad rap because it's just a normal cross that's a pro byproduct of uh, of breeding morphs and i mm -hmm. i think that is a gross disservice to the genetic diversity that carpets throw out and just because it does cross subspecies lines or or, or even species lines sometimes it doesn't necessarily make it not a fantastic animal and i think you can see plenty of examples of integrades uh, in carpets that are just absolutely shockingly stunning animals um so you know i, I think it, that that would probably be the way i would lead with this um you know, uh, certainly, you know, you could you can look to the wild and say, well, this is an abomination of, uh, you know, uh, of what the wild uh, is doing. Um, but, you know, 
the the animals in the wild would be breeding with each other if they could get to each other. They don't know any different, right? So they're they're broken up along, you know, uh, either resource partitions or or you know, um, uh, ge- geographic partitions, and so that's why they don't integrate with each other. And oh oh oh, wait, they do. Oh, they totally do integrate with each other. So you know, it even happens in the wild, and nobody nobody when it happens in the wild bats an eye at that. They say, well, that's that's na- that's nature, that's natural. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we're not, you know, one, we're not in nature. And, and we're not doing natural things here. You know, we're not, we're not trying to carry on the, the genetic diversity of a species that's doing fine in the wild right now. You know, I, that's kind of where I'm coming from in that, at least in, to lead out. Yeah. Now, um, I, I just need to clue you in here. So if, if, uh, you know, putting two snakes together, you know, you have that choice before you put them together. So they're not, you know, just bumping into each other in the night and we control, you know, of course, in our, in our own collections, what breeds with what. And so, you know, I, I think, uh, in the wild, of course, yeah, there are some, some where populations might meet where you'll have some intergrade zones. Um, you know, so I guess if, if you're talking about that, that probably would mean they're subspecies of each other or, um, so that would be more, intergradation but i guess my my main uh i guess uh, issue with it is is you know the formation of hybrids now some of that might be made in ignorance uh people didn't really well people say they didn't realize there were multiple different uh, species of green tree pythons but of course now we know there are two two main species and, and potentially even more so and at least at the subspecies level so um you know the, there's a bunch of hybrid mutts running around now people say oh well, we don't know where they really came from we're just taking the word of the importers well i think that's a little bit of laziness to some extent because we we can do uh, as much as we can and we do have to trust the word of some people and and you know, they may be lying, but they may be telling the truth as well. So, you know, we go on the best information we can. And, and there's, there's indicate like, obviously to, to describe them as two separate species, they need morphological as well as genetic differences. And there are quite substantial genetic differences between Azuria and Viridis, uh, the green tree python species. And there's also substantial morphological differences between them. So you should be able to tell, you know, if you've got it at least at the species level, which one you're working with so to say oh you know we don't know for sure where they came from well yeah you do because you can see that in the animal <laughs> unless you're and, and, and generally when you buy them they're like three times the price of a locality <laughs> animal so that's a good indicator but well and tell me where <laughs> you can find locality animals anymore well um, they're out there i mean they're yeah. still they're still the there's well yeah. i don't that's not that's there's not very few that are available that's, that you can find them as pure species most of them fair are designer hybrids right and sure so yeah are, are well and and and, and, and and to my argument uh, nobody's batting an eye at that uh in 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 i the, am well you are <laughs> who are <laughs> you man who are you you're not a, you're well, not even a condro guy what i are guess you talking that's about that's the problem is you know where can you find i mean you say you can find them but they're very f- hard to find you know the uh, animals that are kind of locality pure or, or tried, you know, tried to, uh, keep, cl- uh, locality pure collections. You just don't see those as much more, more, more people are chasing the, you know, the, uh, color and, and pattern, uh, 
projects rather than the right. locality pure projects. So I don't know. I mean, I do have a, a pair of uh, Maruki uh, Condros and, and, uh, and try to, uh, I definitely will be keeping those <laughs> as, as pure as I can, you know, keep breed, breed with only Maruki locales. But, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's the that's the problem is as as these things get popular, especially if morphs are involved, that's kind of what drives this uh, crossing indiscriminately is, oh, I've got a, you know, a, a morph in the Centralian Python and I've got a morph in the Darwin carpet and I want to bring those two mutations together. So I'm going to breed my brettles with a, you know, with a Darwin carpet and and then you've got a hybrid Spilota Bredley and so that's uh that's kind of where where we run into issues because then you know but, no, if, but if, do we but do if, we but do we well I mean if if that's what's driving it and, and everybody wants that mutation and there's no you know, a lot of times it devalues the wild type, right? It devalues, oh, we, we need this more. How does it devalue the wild type? Because people want to chase morphs. Okay. They want to chase that, morphs. Yeah, and so, that, that, and so de- then, that doesn't devalue the wild type because, because people are interested in the morph. And the only way you get that morph is by crossing those species. That, that, that doesn't devalue. That, that It maybe takes the attention away from the mm-hmm. pure species. If you've got a morph that's worth several thousand dollars and the wild types worth a couple hundred and people are going to try to chase that morph, they're, they're going to want to go after the money in a lot of cases, right? There's very few people that are going to say, no, I'm going to stick with the, the wild type because that's what I care about. And that's, you know, even if it's worth 10 times less money, you know, money talks a lot with most reptile keepers, money talks. And so you're going to dry that. That's, that's what I'm talking about when, when I say devalue the, the wild type appearance. And so they're going to chase those morphs and do whatever they can to bring those mutations together, you know, including hybridization. And then, but as, as the morph prices drop, all of a sudden you're left with a bunch of byproduct or, you know, whatever you want to call it, these, these hybrids, these intergrades. And yeah, I, I admit some of the most spectacular carpet pythons I've seen were a mismatch of everything imaginable right yeah. um my, my friend troy uh, kuligowski produced a a carpet and i think it had like five different subspecies and species in there and that thing glowed in the dark and yeah. I, they couldn't even tell that it, you know if it had jack the jag gene in it you know that was kind of back in the early days of the jaguar in australia but that thing was spectacular and I so, guess my you know, point is, if you if you bring all those subspecies or species back together uh, and and kind of reunify the genome, you you kind of get this this potential for for a lot more kind of phenotypical or different phenotype looks from sure. from uh, across different you know subspecies and even the species. I, yeah, so, yeah, and, and I and I freely admit that, and that's I guess that's the point is. When, when those things become more popular than the wild type appearance, then that drives just more people down that alley. And then you run out of, uh, of, of stock in a lot of cases, especially where it's not imported or, you know, it's from, from somewhere like Australia where you're not getting new stock in anytime soon or, or very easily or readily. Right. And, and most of it's kind of questionable to begin with. And so, um, you know, then you're stuck with a bunch of mismatched uh, carpet pythons. And yeah, they might be beautiful and they might be cool to look at, but you've kind of lost 
what you had in regard to that, that, uh, pure subspecies or locale or whatever you want to call it. And to me, that's, that's tragic. And I would hope, you know, people would agree with that, you know? Well, we and, yeah, yeah. So, so to kind of, to kind of back up onto the show a little, what we're talking about is integrates made from morphs, right? So what we're not talking about is those guys like Nick out there who are still doing pure species, right? And that's out there. It's still out there. And there's a, there's a large cross section of people who like yourself are interested in that. And, and not to say that you're not interested in morphs, right? But, and if we could make morphs cleanly with no, you know, unwanted byproduct across species, then I'm sure that would be a preferable thing for us but but we just can't right so so we're running into an issue around you know um kind of the 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 ethical or or the the uh the worth and value of animals that are created as a byproduct of of you know mixing subspecies to get certain morphs and my argument is is probably more based in how we view those animals that are integrates like there's something wrong with that and mm-hmm. as you said as i've said there's some fantastic animals that come out of that but because of the way we name and the because of the way we look at things those are less desirable animals so 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 they get tossed off for cheaper people wholesale get them out of here i don't care you know yeah. and 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 so they're devalued for the animal that they are rather than valued for the uniqueness that they have um and you know i, I don't see integrades hurting you know that i don't see them hurting the morphs uh, morphs are still valuable i don't see them hurting pure species now listen you could say oh well yeah right um people misrepresent those all the time well you know what somebody took somebody's word at the beginning of a deal for something pure and nobody you know and you hear people say all kinds of ridiculous stuff like well i got it from this guy who said he got it right out of the wild and it looks like it's pure so it's pure really okay sure okay (laughs) You know, so in the end, we are always taking somebody's word for something unless we go get it ourselves. And there's very few people in the in the carpet world that can be like, oh, no, that's pure. I know exactly where I got that from. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're going to have that. But to to uh, further that and to drive it, you know, to a worse place, um, that's going to you know, I, I don't see how that's going to help anything or, or make, make that better. Right. So what, um, uh, what clarify that? Let, let me clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we talk about how, uh, you know, what, what does the word sib convey, right? right. It, it conveys a, an, an, an image of byproduct, yeah. an undesirable animal because you didn't get a Jaguar. Right. And so people feed them to their King Cobra or they, you know, get, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're black python, right? garbage yeah. snakes, yeah. right? To to some people, and I and I agree with you. That should not be the case. They should be valued as as much as a jaguar. But the reality of this is, is when you have a high dollar morph, and this kind of goes into our last week's topic, right? Of of uh, high dollar animals, um, you automatically devalue the either wild type or the intergrade that doesn't contain the gene. 
And, and to me, I think that's an ethical concern. To me, that seems like something that we should be moving away from, not, not running towards. Well, and I think, I, I think to, to your point, um, there's a lot of people, you know, Podfather being one of them who doesn't, doesn't work with Jags anymore. I don't work with Jags anymore. I know a lot of people who don't mess with Jags anymore because they're just derpy and, and the, it's, it's rough to watch when you get a bad one. But you know what? Those coastal sibs that, you know, in air quotes, sibs that they create, the, the, the regular coastals, they're fine. They're normal. They're just normal coastals, right? Yeah. But so, so we value this tweaked out neuro animal because it's got a, a, a messed up gene and a lethal super uh, over, you know, a, a potentially normal coastal. And we even give it, like you said, a sib, like a, like a, a you know, a, a, a brand, uh, a negative brand, a name around its by bi- its byproduct status, so to speak, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know, I yeah, mean, I, you're, you're I, making my point. You're you're helping me win here, Chuck. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's that's the issue. That's the problem. Is when we include these morphs and we start chasing morphs, we devalue the either wild type or the or the byproduct animal. Or or, or we devalue the the integrade, which there's nothing wrong with, um, and and so you know, I, the example I gave was was of something that was probably from a pure coastal, if we were talking mm-hmm. jag something, but you know, a lot of those have different subspecies mixed in there, and yeah. I don't I, I'm not going to change my argument there for that. It, the uh, the only reason people feel like, oh, uh, an, uh, an IJ, you know, um, jungle jag, you know, byproduct mm-hmm. it, uh, integrate is, is is because it's got three different names to it, you know. Um, sure. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you don't know what that animal is going to necessarily look like when it grows up. Um, you yeah. might have some inclination, but you know, if you cast it off and you write it off as, as a trash snake or whatever, however you want to, however you want to categorize that, it's probably going to go somewhere where somebody's going to kill it because they don't value it or take care of it. And it didn't get the, the cred that it deserves. And nobody will ever see what an awesome snake it turned out to be. So, you know, yeah. I mean, giving credit where credit is due, you know, to the animal, not, not, not to its value or not to its perceived value. And I think that's a, that's a, 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 a mental, you know, construct that we've created as, as, um, as breeders and keepers and, and reptile enthusiasts, um, that, that, you know, if, if you, don't come from a pure thing or you're a byproduct of, of something across something you're, you're less than something. And that's, you know, and that's where we're at. Right. I mean, if you look at the, the coastal market, um, coastals are kind of a mess and, and granted we, we may not have known what their origin were, you know, back in the day. And so maybe it was hard to have a lineage, uh, pure animal, but you know, that that's kind of the it's just a big big mess um with the the jag gene thrown in there and and just kind of um really mess things up with uh, coastal carpets as far as as i can see and i i you know i don't know what the answer is i guess the answer was to bring in different localities from europe and so now we have maybe some brisbane localities and some some other uh locale specific animals 
but you know, it could have easily have gone the other way, especially in the climate of today where, where U S is not allowing Australian animals to be imported from Europe to, to kind yeah. of, crack down but, but I mean, how does, but how does even bringing in Brisbane's or locality, you know, animals, how does that change the, the conundrum of making, you know, integrates or, 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 or hybrids, uh, from mutations. You know what I mean? It really, it really doesn't. Because now you have that option where you didn't have that before to have a locality, pure animal, to have somewhere, something that you can say, this probably looks like what I'd see in the wild. And if you know, you lose that opportunity. You, they, we lost that opportunity with the whole garbage that ensued after the Jag gene was introduced. Uh, I don't know, man. That's, that's oh, I that's do. Kind of a, I know. Well, oh, okay. I, I watched it. You watched it. I mean, we we saw that happen, and I don't know. Frankly, I would. Who prefer, saw that happen? I didn't see. Oh, that we happen. all saw it happen. Well, with the jag gene. No? yeah. I mean, the jag gene caused a lot of problems, of yeah. course. But that's a you know that's the morph gene, and and, I, and, and I, the way and the way and the way it's inherited, and you know the the the. The problem people have with everything to a cloaca, I hate that that statement that you so fondly like to repeat, but um, yeah, it is a little weird. But I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm not saying I don't understand where you're coming from. I just think that, I just think that you're you're trying to pivot this argument to almost like a pure species argument, um, mm. and and it's not it, it. So people are focused on morphs. And in carpets, mm. morphs, uh, are, are, you know, drive integrates um, because, you know, they're across subspecies, plain and simple. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think if if we were so less focused on the name and, and more focused on the animals, it would be a lot less of a big deal. And I don't think integrates take away from you know um obviously anything misrepresented is potentially um not good right even sure. even even somebody who mislabels a brisbane um because it you know is a halfway crappy looking caramel and they call it a brisbane and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're misrepresenting a pure you know a pure locality animal um and and you know, I, there are certain people who I do believe when they say, oh, yeah, I, this is a Brisbane. I got it from this person. And I'm like, OK, yeah, sure. But a- after a while, you know, things get mu- muddied up and and uh, animals change hands and people misre- m- misremember things. And um, so so in the end, you know, it, it's all kind of a sliding. It's all kind of a sliding scale of trust. And, and um, you know, going back um, yeah, I, I know I said higher priced animals, um, lead to better outcomes with animals, but I also think valuing the animal for the animal and not necessarily just, um, you know, slapping a label on it, like a sib is, is also a way to value the animal, um, you know, it, it, it promoting and, and go, and even going back to a, a previous is promoting the animal for the animal, for the amazingness that the animal is not sensationalizing it, uh, negatively, uh, for the byproduct that it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, but the problem is that's where we're at. Nobody cares about the byproduct, right? No, everybody wants that gene. And, and as the gene price falls, so does the value of, of that 
that hybrid or that cross that even has the genes, right? We have, we have lots of what used to be high end morphs that, you know, were, were triple and quadruple combinations that are now, you know, worth a, you know, worthless in a lot of people's eyes. And, and so when we have, it's, it's just such a, such a hard thing for me. And, and I think a lot of people feel this way that when you place value on an animal, especially in regards to a simple thing, like it's, it's phenotype, you know, it's color or pattern or whatever. Um, I think it just does a disservice to the animal, like you're saying, right? I think, I think you're making my I, I point. Don't, I, no, I don't think I'm making your point beautifully because, you know, <laughs> I, I had a, a really nice pair of hair jungles and there was all kinds of accusations about the impurity of those animals. But you know what? When those animals were, were hard and kicking, nobody gave a shit about how pure or impure there were. There was talk about, oh, well, those things have diamond in them for sure. Rah, rah, rah. And even Andrew Hare w- would never, you know, w- wouldn't, w- wouldn't rule that out, right? Because he didn't mm-hmm. even know, right? So, sure. but, but in the end, did that ever stop a snake sale for him? No, fuck no. They, 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 people saw a screaming black velvet looking yellow ass jungle and they were like, I want that. And and he sold everything he ever had. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. and, and I think I again, it's just kind of this ridiculous idea that people people want hot, sick looking snakes, right? They they want a beautiful a gamma or you know that's what people like, and that's what kind of what people are drawn to about morphs is is they like the visual. The visual is and you know when you become when, when you get into it a little bit more and and you can kind of see this in the evolution of keepers. I think is people get into it. For the colors and the patterns and the and the and the animal, and then they get then then they slowly start to transition into you know the natural history and the species subspecies and and the natural variation and and all these other things that you see become more prevalent in in keepers who've been keeping longer. So you know the 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 two things, excuse me, are, are I, I, I think I think they're coupled to each other, but they're, they're coupled in, in kind of a, a, a linear trajectory, uh, of keeping of carpets. Right. Um, sure. And so, you know, you don't really necessarily, and, and that's not to say that you, you know, there's not people who get in and are like, Oh man, I love just locality stuff. I love this locality of this animal. Um, it's it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not saying you don't get that, but what I'm saying is there is kind of a a, a natural progression for a lot of people, and morphs are what hook people in. And unfortunately, if you're going to make carpet morphs, you got to make you got to make integrates to do that. And I, I and I'll go back to my earlier point: if we wouldn't shit on integrates like so many people have shit on integrates maybe we wouldn't have this problem with all these throwaway integrates right maybe we could just say hey this is a carpet python like we always used to talk about what why why does it have to be a a a, a diamond jungle integrate or, or an ij you know jungle integrate it could just be a carpet python and and you know then people are all like oh you're gonna misrepresent everybody's animals that way and it's gonna turn into just this whole like well guess what if it is then it is already right 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it turned into was just a complete, like, what is this? You know, how many, what is this posts were there in the old days? You know, what do I have? What is, what's going on here? Nobody knew, but, but people cared, right? People want to know what they have. They want to well, have a label. Back to that, because like label things. Yeah, but, and that's because we like to label things exactly. And and that, that the idea that the label matters more than the animal is a freaking problem. That's that's sure. my point. That's part yeah, of my I, point. I, I get that, but but that's that's hap- that happens, right? That yeah. that's the problem. That's what I'm talking about. That's the the problem we see here is as you focus on that gene and. Then, then naturally, uh, that's for for most people in this hobby that devalues the byproduct, and so um, we see we see that happen every time. Now, the other side is is then it becomes very difficult to sometimes to find you know what what you originally had. You lose that, and and I would point you to you know the reticulated python um, scene where you know, it's all just morphs. There's not really any locality uh, specific animals anymore. People only have a certain amount of room for, you know, uh, a bunch of reticulated pythons. And so, you know, there are very few people that it can even find localities or that are working with locality specific animals. And now, you know, there is a shift and I, and I, you know, I'm, again, this kind of goes back to our last, uh, last topic but you know now the locality stuff is commanding very high prices and people are paying attention to that and and you know is that a good thing then it just puts it in people's hands that can afford it or you know that i don't know that's that's another i guess that's for last week's topic but you you have a very hard time finding the stuff that matches the wild type animals and that's that's a tragedy in in my mind um i mean yeah there's place for both but unfortunately, most people kind of choose that easy route of a simple genetic uh, trait that can be, you know, bred in a, in a generation or two and you can command lots of money and money, you know, money drives so many things in this hobby. I would encourage people to think about that, right? Think about the things we're talking about and say, wait a second, am I, am I valuing this animal for its, for its potential to make me money or am I valuing it for what it is and what it's about? And I and I I agree, you know, just because an animal's a hybrid or a or an integrate doesn't make it any less valuable than than whatever you're looking at. Because I don't know, look at any morph that's more than five or ten years old, and it's it doesn't command any high prices, and people give those away almost these days, right? Right. Nobody wants to work with jaguars anymore because of the like the issues you mentioned previously, but does that make the jaguar less, you know, of, of an animal that should be valued or or kept or whatever? I don't well, know. I mean, I, yeah, I certainly agree with that. I, I, but and and I think it's it's to yes, definitely to your point that money mucks things up in in our in our hobby mm-hmm. and uh and you know in the end everything ends up being. Eh, priced anyway right and and, except for that new new thing that everybody has to chase and that that people got to sell you on and and as a as a you know and and i think uh, to be honest with you i i mean i kind of put i kind of put the the poo-pooing of of integrates and hybrids on on breeders i mean it's breeders who are coming back saying like well i can't do anything with this this thing's not worth anything i might as well i might as well just you know give this away or wholesale it or feed it off to my blackhead right and that's a you know that's a so so if you're gonna do that like 
okay, but don't shit all over the animal for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a fair you know fair argument, and and I I do think that goes to you know say you know let's let's not chase morphs, let's not uh, integrate and hybridize things because then you know in most people's mind they're they're not worth much or they they become lesser than you know regardless of you know whether they should be or not that's what happens and so um, and if you look at the natural progression like look at somebody who's been doing this for for 50 years or whatever are they i mean maybe they have to chase morphs to to make a living out of it because that's what everybody wants but if you look at some people that are just looking you know doing locality specific things or that get out of the thing altogether just to go field herping Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of the natural progression. Maybe somebody comes in, they're all hot and excited about morphs. And I admit I was in that, that category. I was excited about different morphs. And, and after a while I kind of thought, you know, okay, that was, that was fun, but not really. I just saw, you know, a lot of headaches about high priced animals and, and, uh, you know, having to, to watch the prices plummet, you know, and when you spend, you know, 10 grand on a pair of snakes and all of a sudden they're worth, you know, 500 bucks because all of a sudden there was some unknown source of that morph that you didn't know about. And that all of a sudden make their, make their appearance on the scene and drive the price down. And then you're like, Oh crap, you know, how am I going to recoup my investment and all that, you know, garbage uh, thought. I, I, it just, it just messes things up. And I, I would, I don't know. I, I, I guess if, if I were, recommending a course of action to somebody new in the hobby, find something that's cool that you like without a mutation in it. You know, I, I hate that question when you're selling animals at a show or, you, you know, you're displaying animals somewhere and somebody says, Ooh, what morph is that? I just want to smack them upside the head. You know, it's maybe it's the, I've been around too long and I'm, I'm just, you know, tired of that question, but um, you know, people would see an Angolan python and ask what kind of ball morph it was. Like, all they care about is a morph. Like, they're getting into reptiles. Um, and, and well, this I mean, do you, do you, do you, topic, do you, do you, you know? hate on like albino Darwins? Um, I mean, n- not not for the fact that they're albino Darwins, but just for the fact that if that's all you care about, like, I wanted to get the the head albino Darwins because I wanted Darwins. I didn't right. necessarily. And yeah, I paid a lot of money for them, but you know, who knows? Maybe you I would have paid them no, if you, they didn't well, have So, so okay, so let's let's you know? let's let's uh, let's well, we've nu- let's be- nuance it real quick. So, okay. if you got albino Darwin's, you would have Darwin's, like you would totally yeah. have Darwin's, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But you want to see wild type looking Darwin's. That's sure. what's important to you, right? So, yeah. it, it, it is kind of it is a little different because you can totally get albino darwins and have darwins it, it's just and i have a i have a, a nice pair of albino darwins that i got from from todd and carrie and they're mm-hmm. the the most satanic snakes i've ever i've ever owned but yep. they're awesome dude and i yep. i you know i i i like albinos it's it's a weird mm-hmm. i mean i've liked the ball python mm-hmm. albino like I, as far as albinos go it's hard to beat the carpet albino yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and yeah. and you know then you go to like stardust diamonds and you're kind of like all right that's cool or mm-hmm. or or zebras right like that mm-hmm. that's cool yeah. You know, it's just when people want to start 
mixing and matching and and you know that that's when it gets kind of you know yeah a little dicey right and so i don't i don't know man i don't hate on morphs and 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 i don't hate on the integrates that get made from them i I, but i do understand the complications that it makes yeah um and and i think largely that's that's uh, again you know uh you know you've made uh plenty of of attempts at, at at asking for you know breeders keepers and hobbyists to to you know take a social stand on on the way we do sensationalism or a lot of other ideas in the hobby and say hey these ideas are 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 us creating our own reality right and mm-hmm. and i would i would argue that in 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 integrades and um you know and some of the hybrids that we need to advocate for our own reality and and you know value these animals more accordingly so that they're they're not looked at as or talked about or treated like that they're less than anything that they are yeah well and yeah i think that i think we're we're in agreement there that you know that that is definitely something we need to value the animals for the animal's sake not because of how much money they can make us or what their paint job looks like necessarily now of course i don't like looking at an ugly snake you know i want to see the best example of of a, of a wild type that i might envision and and we're you know m- maybe there is something to um, you know, maintaining some sort of genetic diversity. I mean, that's what zoos do. And, you know, we, we might take a, take a note out of their, uh, playbook, uh, well, you know, take, so take let, me, let, and, let me flip the script too. Cause that, that just kind of gave me a, a, you know, a, a thing in my head and, and I'm like, okay, well, so l- like, we're talking about like Palmerston jungles, right? Like the, the Palmerstons that Nick brought in and, and is, mm-hmm. is, and has got people working with like, well, what happens with those ugly ass Palmerstons? Cause not all of them are nice. Not all of yeah. them are great looking snakes. And what happens yeah. with those quote unquote locality, pure animals that, you know, aren't really pretty. And, and quite frankly, you know, people are kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I mean, where do those go? You know, I mean, yeah. you, we, we always talk about hybrids and integrates like, Oh yeah, that's not worth anything, but nobody talks about the pure stuff that really isn't, you know, early days of a, a selective breeding project that, you know, what, what, what happens to those? Like, to, you yeah. know, it's, it's kind of like, because they're pure, they get a better rap, but they probably get treated just the same. That's a, that's a fair assessment. You know, like, like I, I think a lot of people care about what they're, what they're looking at or what, you know, what the quality, you know, if you're going to grade something on a quality scale, you know, you want the, the nicest thing you can possibly get. And, you know, granted that, that occurs through, you know, maybe selective breeding, but again, that's kind of, uh, chasing a morph in some way because you know the jungles that we're producing although you know there are some pretty fantastic jungles in the wild you can find a a nice yellow and black jungle in the wild they're just very few and far between just like a you know black and white uh you know gelatin jungle uh may be out there but they're they're more rare than you know just maybe a normal looking jungle in that same area so um you know it 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 does go back to that human nature we want to get the nicest thing we can or the, or the best or the best value or whatever. But, you know, I guess that's kind of what I'm, what I'm suggesting or arguing for is that we focus more on the animal and, and it's worth, uh, you know, or it's, it's, uh, uh, 
bonus plus or minuses whatever you want to yeah. say yeah it's it's aesthetics it's the, just the fact that it's it is what it is you know regardless of how bright its paint job is and we appreciate the animals for for the animals and so we we do um need to value an ugly palmerston as much as we value a, a bright yellow palmerston you know and, right. and is that a palmerston if it's if it's bright yellow and black I, you know that's the that I yeah the question but I, so, but I, so uh, I, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I do think that paradigm shift of, um, you know, appreciating what's in the wild because, sure. you know, how long has it taken them to get to that point? You know, how, how many millions of years before we see that ugly Palmerston and why is it, why does it look that way? You know, maybe if we're focused more on, on our, the way our cages are designed and, and maybe they're a slice of Australia in our, in our house, you know, we can appreciate that Palmerston because it blends in nicely. You know, it's cool because, Oh, I can't see it half the time because it's blended in, you know, I have to sit and look for it or something. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, just like you would in the wild. I mean, we spend hours looking for these things out in the wild and, you know, it's just nice to be able to sit and watch it. Cause that's, you know, most of the time, that's kind of what I want to do when I find an animal in the wild, sit and watch, see what it's doing, see where it's going, see how it's acting. And if we've, you know, if we've set it up right, we can do that in our, in our homes in some, for some, to some extent, you know. But. So, and, and, and to kind of, to piggyback off that, uh, <laughs> you know, I think you see, and, and there's a reason why Palmerston's look the way they do is because they've been selected for in their environment, the area where they are. Right. And so, so this is like, uh, you know, natural selection, right? This is, this is a deselection of animals that don't look a certain way and, and fall to predation, um, because of, uh, of their differences. Right. And it, and it, it's not, na it's natural selection happening and and so when, when we come into you know what uh, our, our 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 private hobby keeping our rooms our snake rooms you know we're, we're we're making selections as well and and you know potentially and it's not a very popular topic but but we're also deselecting animals you know not not um not everything makes it not everything is um you know i, I mean i had um, a, a, um, Tracy eye that was just the word, like it, it, in the wild, it wouldn't have made it. It made it mm -hmm. because I was going to make that thing, make it right. Yeah. Uh, and it did make it, but you know, uh, in the wild, that thing, it had been deader than dead because it had just no, no fight for life feeding response. It was just, it was horrible. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, and I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, th there's, and it's not popular to say this, but not everything is destined to go to somebody's collection. If if snakes get deselected in a private hobbyist uh, for for whatever reason, they have birth defects. They, quite frankly, just you know aren't aren't going to go anywhere. And those animals are used in a positive cycle of life. I know people don't want to hear that shit. I get it. it. Everybody wants every animal to live and everybody to be happy and everything to be valued. But if you go out into nature, nature doesn't think that way. Nature doesn't care about that stuff. It is a big cycle of life and death that must be fed. And so, you know, maybe we, we, we advocate for positive, you know, looks on all animals but we also understand that not everything is destined to be uh, a pet in somebody's house sure yeah 
that's uh that's you know fair and and you know i i guess as our as the wild is is decreasing or is becoming private land um you know it's being becoming more and more difficult to go out and see see those things in the wild you know if, if they're chopping down the forest or they're um clearing out their habitat the the only the the way that you might be able to enjoy that is in your living room you know that that might be the the last remnant of of being able to appreciate that animal in in a wild type setting and so that's kind of you know where um i i feel like this this argument leads to you know we need to focus on um keeping that option alive keeping that option open and if we're chasing morphs and we're hybridizing and we're forming integrates we're kind of losing sight of that goal to appreciate the wild for for what it is you know for where it's come and how it's how it's gotten there and and i really think that's you know kind of the natural progression you might get in for the flashy morph but we stick around because these animals are incredible they're amazing right they don't need a flashy paint job to be appreciated so i think uh that's kind of what i would uh conclude with you know let's let's focus on the the uh, value of the animal for the animal's sake rather than what kind of money it can make you or what kind of paint job you can give it um you know let's appreciate those wild types and let's you know hopefully enough people will have that mindset that when we do have this flash in the pan morph that comes in and 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 makes big waves and then everybody you know hopefully not everybody chases it hopefully we've got some people that just kind of stay the course and go well, I'll let those those guys have fun with that, and I'm gonna appreciate the the wild type animal for what it is, and I'm not gonna follow that uh, that crowd down the, you know, the the race to the bottom kind of aspect. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think you know when you're kind of talking about humans and 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 our. Um, our effect on the planet, um, you know, we're, we're changing the, the, the planet and the landscape that we live under in such a way that we're making it, uh, uh, kind of under our own image. So, you know, the idea that we should definitely appreciate wild types and, and natural nature as it slowly disappears from our man-made transformation of the planet, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. But at the same time, to to say that you know we shouldn't embrace integrades and 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 hybrids because um, you know they're just not valued or whatever. They are a construct of what we do as human beings. Is we we create new and different things that were not there before. And so you know um, and and. And, and it's a lot of how we talk about and how we interact with those things that form the value and worth of those things. These are all live animals. They're, they're all um, deserve. And hopefully, you know, if you like carpets, I hope an integrate has your respect. I mean, I hope, I hope you oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah. I hope you like uh, all carpets because they're, they're all fucking badass. Um, so, you know, I think, I think in, in the grand scheme of things, um, 
all things in their place. And you cannot, uh, going back to my original statement, if you, if you like carpet morphs, you almost cannot make some of these looks of carpet morphs without intergrades. It's just, it's, it's just not going to happen. So again, it kind of goes back to, is there anything wrong with integrates? Well, no, there's not that some of them, as we've already talked about are fantastic looking animals. And it's only how that they're talked about that is really the big issue. And so I think, you know, in closing, I would say that that advocating for the worth of all carpets, uh, whether they're integrates or pure, you know, pure species, subspecies, uh, or, or, you know, non-integrated morphs, um, they're all of, uh, have their place and they all have their worth. And, and so, you know, we just need to look at them in that way and value them in that way. Okay. Well, um, hopefully, uh, you know, the, we got the two sides of the coin and hopefully this was a, a worthwhile topic and that maybe you considered something you hadn't considered before. I guess that's the, the whole goal of this is to, to let you make your own decisions and hopefully, um, you know, change some paradigms along the way. Um, I, I, and hopefully everybody realizes that, that it isn't necessarily representative of each and every one of our views. I I think, Oh yeah. (laughs) I I fall a little bit on both sides and, and, you know, quite sure. frankly, I try to argue as hard for the side that I'm I'm on, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, oh, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, the whole premise of the show, yeah, right? Absolutely. You so, not agree with what we're arguing. And and that can be difficult sometimes because you're just like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but my we gotta, heart's not hide our it. cards. And yep. yeah, exactly. So but, you know, this this one, um, I think the, the common thread was appreciate animals for for what they are, you know, uh, uh, even if they're a, an integrate or a, a hybrid or whatever, they're still living animals and we still need to appreciate those and, and care for them like we would, you know, a, a pure or a locality specific animal. So, yep. Appreciate what you've got. Appreciate those animals and, and, uh, treat them accordingly. Word. <laughs> right on. Well, another, uh, fun discussion, another great topic. Thanks again, Peter, for, uh, suggesting this pedo next time, next time it's in person though, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We got to have you, you on here sometime. And, and if you, if you guys out there listening, have any topics you want to hear us uh, discuss, or if you want to get in on the action and, and throw your hat in the ring for a little, uh, fight club action, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll try to get you on and, and I'm sure Justin's tired of debating me. He'd love to debate any (laughs) one of you all. Well, and you know, we'll get some other people on here to get some different voices in the mix as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, we, we are having some guests come up. We actually recorded one and, and it didn't, we had some technical issues, so we're going to have to do that again. And, uh, so hopefully, uh, round two will, will, uh, go well and, and we'll have a, a nice topic. Um, so look forward to that. I'm hoping to record from the field, um, get the, get the THP guys versus the, Morelia Python's uh, network guys and and get some discussion going there. We'll see see Owen who can the, their own. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Owen and the Podfather better bring their A game. They were talking well, about they were talking about switching up, man. Did you yeah, hear, did yeah. you catch that? They wanted to yeah, they wanted they to host killed. a reptile fight club. So uh, oh, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're we're down to do an NPR interview if you want to come over here and uh, and leave yeah. some uh, some some vocal bruises on people. 
that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. We got to get, get this, uh, get this broadened out a little bit, get some more cool topics on here. So thanks again to Pete for suggesting the topic and, and, um, I guess, uh, I, I, I forgot to mention at the start of the show, I got some really cool, uh, books, a, a set on Burt Langworth and if you I don't saw know that. Who, Bert Langworth is, um, he's, he's one of the true pioneers of herbiculture. I mean, this guy had some innovative stuff and he, he produced some really amazing species and, um, his, you know, passing was a huge loss to the reptile world. So if you don't know who he is, check these books out. I mean, you obviously haven't listened to reptile fight club. If you have, you know who Bert Langworth is. <laughs> yeah. We've mentioned him, <laughs> mentioned him a couple of times on here, but, um, the, uh, Russ Gurley, um, wrote these books or, or compiled these books. A lot of them are, um, so one's a history of Bert, kind of his, uh, life and adventures of, of Bert Langworth and, uh, goes over, you know, his life from, from early childhood on. And then the second, uh, um, part of the, part of the, uh, two book series is the articles that he wrote. And there's some in there that are in Dutch and some in German and even a couple in French and, and a bunch in English. And, and there's some, you know, uh, overlap. So if you don't speak Dutch or German or French, then you can enjoy the similar article in English. But, um, he, he pioneered, I mean, he, he's one of the few people that has bred, uh, have bred sun gazer, uh, lizards. Uh, so, um, pretty, pretty cool. I read that article last night and, um, I, I really am enjoying these. So, uh, hit up Russ Gurley on uh, Facebook and, and he can, uh, send you the link where you can purchase these books, but really cool. Um, it's, it's nice to see kind of that honoring of, of those, uh, pioneers of herpetoculture and definitely that way. Um, he, you know, if you've, if you've ever, purchased a superworm is one of the zoophobas that's from Bert. He was the one that kind of pioneered how to breed those and produce those. So, um, we can thank him for superworms. He, he produced a ton of Australian water dragons. Um, he's, he was one of the people that just bred that, that species and provided a lot of people with, uh, with those. So a lot of cool stuff came from Bert. Yeah. So check those out. Um, anything else? No, check out the, uh, Morelia Python's network podcasts. Uh, uh, there's some good, good stuff out there. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, some great content being put out by these guys. And, and uh, thanks to Eric and Owen for, for their <laughs> tireless work. I mean, yep. I don't know how, how they do so much, but uh, uh, more power to them. Keep it going guys. <laughs> this yep. is, this is a lot of fun. So we're enjoying it. We're trying to, you know, follow in your footsteps here and try to record some, some good content that can potentially uh, have a benefit to reptile keepers. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, get in the fight. Uh, let's hear your, your ideas and your thoughts on the Facebook page. And um, we'll catch you next week for another edition of reptile fight club. Thanks everybody. See ya. Fight club. 